Hello and welcome to Yaf, the yet another Final Fantasy podcast where I review each game chapter by chapter, episode by episode. And right now we're in season one, I guess, where I am reviewing Final Fantasy 1. As I've mentioned in, in the previous episodes, I have never played through this game. I thought I had gotten pretty far, but as I'm playing through this game, I'm realizing that I probably mistook Final Fantasy 1 for another different Final Fantasy game, especially since features that I remember existing aren't there anymore. So. I was probably thinking of a different game. I do want to make one cor- one correction of something I said in the last episode. I talked about the Kingdom of Corneria and then calling it a cor- Kingdom of Cornelia. Apparently, depending on the translation version, it's either Corneria or Cornelia. And I guess technically they're both correct. The game In the game that I'm playing, the Game Boy Advance version, it's called Cornelia with an L. So I'm going to be probably referring to that town or that kingdom by that name. In this chapter, I guess it's like chapter 4, the Crystal of Earth take, takes me through, uh, walks me through all the way to, from waking up the, the Prince of Elfland and, you know, dealing with all of the stuff over there and opening the, uh, what do you call it, the channel between the seas. It takes me from that point all the way through getting the crystal of earth as the chapter suggests or the you know the section of the walkthrough first i had to sail out into the big sea and go to a town called melmond or melmond melmond looks like is is another elf town at least that's how i understood it reading about it right now and i don't see anything about elves for some reason i thought it was an elf town it looks pretty like drab and pretty like worn down it looks like it's hasn't seen the time of day you know it's time of day for a while there are a lot of graves which is pretty concerning, and there's even a building that's been burned down. I didn't realize this at first, but I'm guessing that was actually the church, because, or or whatever religious building, the temple, I don't know what it's called, because there isn't one in Elmond, so you can't actually revive any of your party members there. That is interesting. The aesthetic of the town is actually fantastic. Inside of the inn, the inn has, like, spiderwebs and cobwebs and stuff like that, and chipped paint and whatever, making it, like, look very, I don't know, broken down and old. Uh, again, this is in the Game Boy Advance version. The original NES version had slightly different aesthetics, but I really like the Game Boy Advance and what they did with that. Which, by the way, I kind of realized that it looks almost exactly like Final Fantasy IV. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, Square Enix decided to uh, remake all of these games and kind of have this unified user interface through the different games. Like, it kind of takes away some of some what made them special, but, you know, like Final Fantasy IV had this, like, nice, really nice aesthetic that was very much reminiscent of of the SNES era, you know, and Final Fantasy 1 had the NES aesthetic, and now, you know, the Game Boy Advance versions have very sim- sim- similar comparable. Anyway, so in Melmond, I got to buy some awesome stuff, some black magic, some weapons and armor. I did find out the Game Boy Advance version is easier than the NES version, and I mentioned that because at this point in the game, I felt pretty damn unstoppable. It was difficult to encounter an enemy that I struggled with. Most of the time, if I had to, like, run or... I, I don't I think I flee I had to flee once and I think I accidentally yeah I pressed accidentally up and selected flee on my fourth character so I accidentally ran away I'm sorry I'm sick and so my, my throat is kind of closing up or I can't talk well so yeah at this point I felt pretty unstoppable the new continent that you explore is pretty easy like straightforward again you know you have the, like I said you have the guardrails of the game kind of guiding you where you need to go I headed down to the cavern cavern of earth or the earth game i guess depending on which game you play there i i don't know i just kind of had it there there is this really interesting part of the game called the 
Hall of Giants, which is on the Hall of Giants is on the first floor of the Cavern of Earth. And what's fascinating about it is that in that section, every step that you take, you'll be either facing off hill gigas or lizards or giants or iguanas, basically, at every step. And it's a great way to get experience. I started walking through there and it occurred to, it, it occurred to me that, you know, I kept running into enemies. I was wondering why. And finally, when I looked it up, I found out <laughs> that I had stepped into the Hall of Giants by accident. What's really cool is that this kind of reminds me of like that unspoken lore of the game in that this is something that you're going to encounter by accident and there's no indicator that this is called the Hall of Giants. I'm, I'm not even sure if that's the official name, but there's no indicator that something changes. Just in that game, something exists like separately. And it's really cool because like if you've played it several times and you have friends who are playing it, you can tell them like, hey, in the Cavern of Earth, if you go all the way to the left, you know, you're going to get into the Hall of Giants and they'll be like, oh, hey, what's with the Hall of Giants? Well, you're going to be fighting lots of Hill Gigas and it's really easy to rack up a bunch of experience points, head up, tent and come back and just keep like grinding for experience in that area. And while the guide doesn't suggest doing that, I did do that because it's just, it's really easy to get into that flow. And I, like I said, I really like that a lot of the stuff in this game is unspoken. One thing I wanted to mention in the last ep episode was that you don't have like a quest log in this game. You, you, you just kind of find out small information, small pieces of information that you have to piece together. And without a guide, that can be difficult. Or sometimes kind of straightforward. Like, you know, hey, the big boss dropped the crystal lens. I should probably get it back to its owner so I can, pro you know, progress through the game. I did listen to a let's play of this game and what I found interesting was that the you know the different graphics and whatever but just like how revolutionary some of the things in this game were like equipping items was pretty revolutionary apparently in RPGs. You know the the shop buying items and progressing that way not just relying on your experience essentially and some of the other things like that. I don't know it made me appreciate the game more. So after you kind of like loot through the first floor you go to the second floor and you loot some more and then you head over to the third floor of the cavern, the cavern of earth, where you face off against the vampire. The vampire is like a mini boss, I guess. It was pretty easy to kill him, despite the fact that some of these monsters have a lot of HP. It doesn't take much to destroy them. So once you destroy the, the vampire, um, he drops a star ruby, and you want to progress down further down the cave, but it's actually blocked. It's blocked and you need you need something to, to fix it. I can't remember what it was. A rod, I think. But we'll get to that. So then you have to go all the way back out of the cave so you rack up a bunch of more experience because you have to like fight somebody every two seconds and then you have to make it out to the titan's cave and the sage's cave in the titan's cave which is like pretty close there's a big titan blocking the the way you can't fight him or defeat him but you can't give him the star ruby you got from the vampire and it automatically happens and then the titan just kind of walks off so then you you know again loot for a bunch of cool stuff like a mithril helm which is so fucking cool you go to the Sage's Cave, which is like the, the floor underneath, and he'll give you an Earth Rod, and the Earth Rod gains you ac access to the rest of the dungeon, the Terra Cave, the Earth Cave dungeon. Sorry, it's it's named like three or four different things in just this guide alone, so I'm guessing that each version has a slightly different name. So once you get back, um, Earth Rod automatically opens the stone plate that covered a staircase. You go down the staircase, you loot, you go down another staircase, and then on the fifth floor, you fight the Lich, which 
I remember the lich was mentioned all the way at the beginning of the of the game. So a quick interlude to cover some of the history. 400 years ago is when everything was basically fine and then the elements of air, fire, earth and water were basically scattered. The kraken attacked Onrak and sunk its palaces. The dra a dragon Tiamat, which I guess we'll see this dragon later, drove the Lufenians out of their flying fortress and so on. This was 400 years ago. The lich itself had an effect 200 years later. So uh, it's a little bit confusing, but it looks like all of the, the orbs were scattered 400 years ago and then 200 years later. I'm not 100% sure about the story, but that is my interpretation. So this is the first, this is like the first callback to the original text of, you know, the, the original intro. So we find, fight the Lich and once you defeat the Lich, the Earth Crystal gets activated and you get a very convenient portal that takes you back to the beginning of the dungeon or like right outside the dungeon I think which is really neat um, I think that's what happens yeah I think it takes you just to the beginning so a few interesting things about this section I was it, I found it really cool that you're already fighting the first like boss of the entire world and to unlock the earth crystal on the GBA I got a small cutscene of let's see the earth cave or the earth shrine in Cornelia opening which was kind of neat I don't think that was in the NES version and I don't know just it was really cool I really again like the aesthetics of the the new town every single town looks different i already moved on to playing the crystal of fire section i don't want to get too much into it but the town there looks spectacular just every single town looks different and kind of reflects what's happening in the story basically the deactivation of the earth crystal made that soil barren on that continent and just not very fruitful um so that was kind of interesting like this fall of this possibly very rich kingdom or this very rich town because of the lich and i'm wondering if i'm gonna see the improvement i guess i'm not gonna see the improvement that's not something that's like within the scope of this game but it would be really cool to see like how that town restores and improves over time now that the earth crystal is back and they'll be able to grow their crops and everything the kind of lore of the game with the hall of the giants i'm just i know i keep coming back to it i'm just like so impressed by it i thought it was like such a cool idea to have this to have these unnamed sections that provide you with a unique experience just like that i think it was in the journey begins section i guess episode two where i talked about a special peninsula the power peninsula or whatever they called it and in the power peninsula you know you would encounter enemies that were way above your level or like way above the level of all the other enemies around it so like these little secrets are so cool and so much fun i did like i said i listened to or watched a play let's play of this game of the original nes version and you can tell that the the user interface is way different it's still the same gameplay essentially but it's different user interface character models look slightly different the entire aesthetic of the game looks different but i like the way it looks right now and it's just it's really beautiful listening to the the player play about uh talk about the um their original experience like his original experience with the game was also interesting because he talked about like keeping a notebook with notes about like his own bestiary about the different enemies and that is something that i probably would have done too to a certain extent i very much often did that with other rpgs where even with this one like i'm like oh okay you know this and this monster is probably around 90 hp and i could look it up and i probably should so i don't have to wonder about it but like i already do this 
sort of recognition in, in the back of my head. There's a recognition of like, how difficult will it be to defeat this enemy? How much can they hurt me? How much can I hurt them? What is their HP? What are their weaknesses? And so on. And that's just, I feel like that's part of the fun. It's it's part of the, the fun. And I kind of appreciate the fact that the guide that I'm reading doesn't go super in-depth on the different weaknesses of the different monsters. Like, it kind of leaves some of that mystery. It kind of tells you more of, you know, where to go next in the story and where to find loot rather than like strategies on beating the game. I am looking forward to learning more about the lore of Final Fantasy. I do wonder how they came up with this whole idea of the game. It feels very Western fantasy Tolkien-esque in so many ways with the elf kingdom and the elves and them being closer to nature, the dark elves, the, the lich king thing, you know, and all these different small towns and everything. It's just, it's, it's a truly beautiful game. Like, if I had played this when I was a kid, when it came out, it would have blown my mind, I think. So I can I can definitely, the more I play this game, I can the more I can appreciate where it came from. And despite the fact that I'm playing the GBA version, I'm not like a, you know, low-res graphics averse person. I understand, you know, I, I still play Pokemon like Red and Blue, and those are games that are very simple in the way they look. And so I just, you know, the graphics upgrade is nice. It is not necessary to the enjoyment of the game, I think. It is really cool that they did do that, that it, they just rebuilt it and it looks like just the same as Final Fantasy 4. Actually, I want to go look that up real quick. Yeah, so it looks like the more detailed graphics came in the PlayStation era, so maybe it's not a Game Boy Advance thing. Maybe it's more like a PlayStation thing. But yeah, so in the next chapter, it's going to be the Crystal of Fire, and that's going to be basically the same thing, except this time I'm going to be activating the Crystal of Fire and fighting slightly different enemies. So until next time, thanks for listening. And if it pleases you so, leave a kind rating and review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on you can also follow me on twitter or follow the podcast on twitter it's twitter.com slash y-a-f-f podcast yeah podcast and uh yeah until next time